I be flying with the angels every day, yeah. Mm, I play this fool, but life is great, yeah. Ooh, I work 60 hours a day, man. Yeah, I'm built to grind, it's my escape plan. What's up and welcome back. It's Kyle Smith, Platform Sports League. Listen, Purdue Boilermakers, the Big Ten schedule has begun. All right, we're in Big Ten football season officially. And we figured, we, meaning me, Kyle Smith, my brother, Tim Smith. Tim, say what's up. What's up, everybody? How we doing? Um, doing out I couldn't think of anybody that is a bigger Purdue fan than my brother Tim uh, since what 2001 started yeah. out there um, he knows more about more about the team more about the personnel everything that's going on so what we decided because we love the Boilermakers the golden black we're going to give some reactions to each game um, and try and give a little reaction analysis um, put our feelings out there put our words out there because you know what we can so this is on the Life with Football podcast, but at the same time, we're doing something. I don't even know what it's called yet. We got a Boilermaker breakdown, a Boilermaker reaction, quick takes, whatever you want to call it. We'll figure it out. But uh, we're just going to get into a few points. So Purdue Boilermakers take on Iowa week one, come up with a huge W. A um, lot of situations, a lot of scenarios surrounding the team. Um a lot of adversity over the offseason. We got storylines galore with Rondell. We got uh, Coach Brom, Jeff Brom, getting the old COVID positive test. Brian Brom, his younger brother, stepping in to call the plays. Um, and they come come back in the fourth quarter, scoring 10 points in the fourth quarter to finish up 24-20. to 20. What do you think overall, man? What do you think? Give me an idea, your thoughts, Brian, Brom, and how he kind of responded and took over, and what it, what was his performance like? I, honestly, man, impressive. Uh, I mean, for a team to be able to overcome all that stuff right week one of, of this disaster of <laughs> the year of 2020, you know, I mean, it's, the whole thing was impressive. You know, just the way it, it shows you what kind of kids are out there and what kind of team that they believe that they could be. You know, no they doubt. didn't give up. They fought from the first whistle to the last. And you know what? It finally paid off. It did. It did. It felt so good. It paid off. Yeah. Everything happened the right way in the fourth quarter for Purdue fans. And that, you know, obviously rare over the years. So that is uh, honestly a good sign as the first Big Ten, Big Ten opener win in a long time. Um I'm just curious at how this all happened, how that communication happened, where uh, Jeff Brom find out, you know, you're positive, um, had a few symptoms also, what I, from what I understand, kind of getting over that. Yeah. But um, you're Brian Brom, you kind of get the call that you are the guy, right? You're taking everything over. I couldn't imagine the mindset of what that is. Now, I'm assuming there was some kind of back back backup plan right? Some disaster recovery and have some plan like, Hey, if some ish goes down, um, Brian's in charge. So I just yeah. couldn't think of that mindset and what, you know, you're taking over for the first time. You could see him on the sideline. That's the other decision. Okay. So now you're on the sidelines from my understanding. I think he was up in the booth, but I'm not sure generally I'm was he? Sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was upstairs. Gotcha. So now you're on the sideline. And I'm curious, we didn't get a whole lot of situational 
head coach calls like go for it on fourth down obviously that's something he can take care of but what about on defense right like when you're taking timeouts and you're trying to get the ball back all that fun stuff I don't know that he had to get involved with that stuff or what was the plan was the defensive coordinator were they taking was Diaco taking care of those decisions all that the head coaching high level decisions kind of interesting to see how that broke down in the staff room and what the responsibilities were but regardless I'm happy for that staff. I'm happy for Brian Brom. Uh, came through week one with a big win, 24-20. Impressive, but, man. Congrats. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, a couple key points we'll go through. We've got about five. Um, talk a little bit about the takeaways of the game. So, number one, obviously, is the one of the elephants in the room with our quarterback, right? Aiden O'Connell, walk-on last year, came through, started, I think, played in six games. Um and I thought I thought it was consistent, man. I have said it over the offseason in something I see. He's not the you know, he's not the most exciting quarterback in the world, but I really felt most comfortable with him in there. And that is key to a coaching staff. When you're trying to run an offense and do it the right way, you want somebody to be able to be in that position, be an extension of the coaching staff on the field and really call the shots and put the ball in the right spot and not make mistakes. Agreed. Absolutely, and, I, and I'm sure that and I'm sure that was, you know, between Jeff and Brian Brom. I mean, that probably made, especially with no Coach Brom there this week, and I'm sure it was, um, you know, it kept everybody calm and cool, and you know, just the way he plays the game is the way they needed for that game to go in Week One. Yes, sir. I uh, there's one. I th- I think the play calling was tight to the chest, you know, tight to the vest, like. It was, it was I guess, in Purdue's, in a Purdue sense, in a Brahm offense sense, it was kind of vanilla, uh, keeping yeah. some concepts to the to to simple concepts. I think they went with one flea flicker, and it didn't it didn't look well. Um, that was that, that almost came up with a pick on that. O'Connell put that ball up, and yeah. uh, DB you know I deflected think, off. But I think they did have another. I think there was a multiple reverse kind of maybe not the flea flicker. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that it was another um, trick play that didn't work out as well either. Right. I think you it might have been both a third, uh, third down or a second and long. Right. And you can tell, so we just broke down the uh, third down, all the third down plays um, from the game, and you can tell, I mean, the concepts were were basic as far as I think there were, I would say maybe four vers- four different versions of plays. We had a couple screens yeah. in there, different versions of screens. We had some smash concepts that were, you know, one of the more simpler um, pass concepts for a quarterback, right? Reading the flat defender, we got a short route, we got a deep route, you're throwing it to one of them. And then we have some uh, mesh routes and some layer stuff. So you have shallow crossers, you got digs behind it. So simple stuff, simple five-step drop stuff that obviously O'Connell was comfortable with, Brian Brown was comfortable with, and uh, it worked out. They weren't so successful on third down. Trying to think, what were there? What do we got here on third down? If I could find it quick, you know, too with eight, with O'Connell, the way he plays, you know, he stands tall in the pocket. He he definitely he knows how to play the position. He plays it like a, almost. I don't know, you know, it's almost like a classic, you know, nineteen seventy eight <laughs> quarterback. You know what I mean? Right. Like just running the show. Nothing flashy, just running the show, putting the ball in the right spot and getting it to their playmakers, and there's plenty of them, uh, which we'll get to. So 
I can't find the stats on third down. Here we go. Third down conversions. Total, four for 13, which is not yeah. great. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's Iowa. Purdue is six of 16, um, which is still uh, under, under, you know, below average, I would say. But at the same time, those conversions came at times that were crucial, right? They were important um, at the end of the game. In the fourth quarter, they, they scored 10 to come back. Um, so, obviously, it was a mix. It was a mixed review. O'Connell, 31 for 50, three touchdowns, two picks, and two sacks. And I think two of those sacks, both of those sacks, he held on to the football pretty long um, and kind of put the offensive line in, in a tough situation. So, again, O'Connell, like I said, I think consistent – I think, um, you know, obviously they're going to get in the get in the film room. I think you missed some easy throws looking for the deeper receiver. We saw that a couple times in third down uh, when you could just dump it off. But at the same time, you know, remain confident out there and came through in the fourth quarter in the clutch. We played a oh, good old Joe Tiller uh, line was champions win in the fourth quarter, right? So that last drive um, – is so important and and he came through man so came through with yeah. the victory there number it, it was such a, it's such a different and you know a, a different feeling to have it end on our side this time you know what i mean that's the big thing i'm telling you dude i'm standing up in the living room at the tv i got a little emotional get a little yeah. w out there man 2020 is a tough year for everybody yeah. and as i know it was tough for those players getting it everything getting everything together getting to the football field but uh it was just good to see and uh, i'm excited for next week you too man number two in this reactions and kind of takeaways offensive line play up and down but at the same time i would say a success uh for the purdue boilermaker offensive line what do you think uh, agreed. Uh, I, I think, and we had talked earlier in the week, and I, I did make mention of just the mixture of of veterans and youngsters, and you know, size, overall size. They they are they are massive. They're big up front. Um, you know, they're physical. It just, it looked good. I mean, for for Horvath to have the day he had, the offensive line must have been pushing people around pretty good through four quarters. So, I mean, overall, you know, obviously it's week one, a lot of things to work on too, but I mean, just, just the visual of it. I liked it. Absolutely. So you had a tailback uh, in Horvath who had 21 carries, which is high for the, for Purdue running back at that point, um, 130 yards gained. Um, whenever you have a, a running back with 130 yards offensive line, that's a success. They let up two sacks, but at the same time, like I said, I think there were scenarios where O'Connor was kind of holding on to the football, trying to make a decision. So we'll kind of split split the blame there. But overall, uh, liked what we saw from the offensive line, and they'll continue to build obviously throughout the season. And and I again, I think playing Iowa in week one was key, right? So Iowa is known for their fundamental, their base defense, base offensive looks. Uh, and that's something that I think bodes well for the Purdue offense. Um, and just those guys getting back on the field and seeing some vanilla looks and, you know, something that Absolutely. I'm sure those looks they've seen in practice all week, all camp, whatever it was. You know, you got to strap the chin strap tighter when you're playing Iowa and, the boys up front definitely did that and succeeded. That's the truth. Um, 
physical team, big team, but again, basic stuff that I think bodes well to the Purdue offense uh, and defense in a way. So number three, we're going to the defensive side. We're looking at the stats, right? Their defensive side of the football, I think, is, is a mixed bag. I think, um, you know, they let up over 400 yards, which is not something you want as a defense coming back on a Sunday, looking, the, looking at the film and the stats and things like that. But at the same time, again, coming up in clutch times, clutch situations, I think uh, – there was at some point in that fourth quarter, we really needed that stop for that last drive to come back and win the game. And, and they did it. You know what I mean? So again, going back to coach Tiller, just uh, emphasizing that fourth quarter, emphasizing those last drives. What do you do on those last drives? Champions kind of figure out, figure out a way to get it done. So I think over the course of that third quarter, um, you started seeing the, the D-line soften up a little bit. I was moving in some yardage, all that stuff. But, uh, yeah. again, got a mixed bag. I, absolutely. Uh, I, I do think, too, though, um, definitely more, like we said earlier, a lot more physical and a lot more aggressive. I, I like the hats to the ball. Um, there was definitely some people getting hit, which I like. Obviously, the 400 yards is a lot, and, uh, you know, I think there's a good mixture of youth and veterans on that side of the ball as well, which bodes well, you know, for this team, team the whole season. But, you know, Carl Loftus looked good up front. He definitely has put some weight on, and he looks good. And Looking he's healthy up there. Player. Yeah, Healthy absolutely. up there. Um, uh, top guy, I think, uh, Jalen Alexander, 10 total tackles. Uh, again, you mentioned Carl Loftus got himself a sack. Uh, hopefully we see more of that to, in the in the games to come with these different double teams. We'll see. But he's just, I mean, one sack, just three total tackles. That's not indicative of his game as far as what how he affected plays, right? So, and I think last year, I don't remember the stat, but he was one of the, I think, leading in, in uh, hurries and quarterback hurries and things like that. So he's all, he is there. He is he is in the backfield wreaking havoc. The stats might not show it, but at the same time, he is such a force on the defensive end. Um, give me a little bit about your top guy, top performer. Top performer on defense or offense, which way you want to go? Defense, that fourth item we talked about. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead with number 15 and uh, the newcomer, Demarcus Mitchell. Uh, I thought he stood out. Obviously not all game, but he definitely brought the heat numerous times like the way he plays the run i think he gives us a different different look at an outside linebacker that we haven't had in a long time he's big he's physical um you know he he was he he flashed a little bit on on saturday which was impressive and i'm i'm happy he's a boiler man that's the truth i think uh having a difference maker like that and just that mentality you could see him just flying around physical presence uh six total tackles one tfl uh, again, not indicative of his effect in the to the complete game and just bringing an attitude to the defense. So uh, Bob Diaco, DC's probably got you know they got to be happy with some of the guys that they brought in in the off season and just added to I'd say the attitude of that defense um, that really kind of stuck their feet in the ground, dug in and uh, and came up in in key situations. Number five. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, man. I keep doing that to you. I'll get better. <laughs> Attitude. The attitude is what was the most impressive thing about it, too, man. It was nasty yep. at some at sometimes. I, you know, that's huge. That's huge. Uh, 
uh, building a culture around that. And I think obviously that exudes from Brom um, and so, and that coaching staff. So last piece, the man, the legend, the top run, the top wide receiver in the Big Ten, in our opinion, Mr. David Bell, straight from Warren Central here in Indianapolis, local legend, national legend, will be at the end of this. Um, he balled out, man. Give me your thoughts. I don't want to sit here and make him, you know, <laughs> crown him as next Randy Moss in no way, but, I, you know, God willing, but I, I mean – I've never seen – I haven't seen a kid two years into big-time college football make it look as easy as he does. Uh, he's in the right spot every time. He makes the catch. And, he, you know, he's going to fight for that ball, and in 85% of the time he's going to come down with it. He's just – there's something about him that, you know, it's more than reliability. It's He's the best player on the field, and – you know, like like Farron said yesterday in the news conference on Saturday, he said, you know, you you game plan for him, you just have a hard time covering him because he's that good and he knows, you know, his routes are precise. He's just he's in the right place at the right time all the time, and he's a hell of a football player. And That's he's it. just yeah, it's impressive to watch him, and he's only a sophomore. That's it. That's beautiful. I just got excited when you said that. I think, uh, you know, Ferenc also said that he's one of the best wide receivers or best best opponents that he's seen in their last 21 years, which is kind of sick yeah. to think about, man. That's awesome. Yeah. But it's like, again, it's, it's the reliability piece. He's in the right spot. Um, you can game plan, which you can tell Iowa did, right? There's, there's guys there yeah. all the time, except for that last touchdown where he was sitting by himself in the back of the end zone. But um, it's just, he yeah. goes up and gets contested balls. Like he's just, He's there. He's got freaking claws for hands and just gets the goes up and gets the football. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm just I, I you just watch him and you're unsure on kind of what exactly is the special piece. It's just an all around smooth package. Yeah. Uh, again, the rely he's reliable piece. He's catching all the footballs. He's in the right spots, getting himself open. And when he's not open, he's still coming down with it. Kind of youth, yeah. kind of youth league traditional stuff. Like if I put the ball up, I know there's 85% chance. Like you said, that that number three is coming down with it. Um, 13, 13 receptions, 121 yards, three TDs. Uh, and that's consistent, dude. Consistent. Yeah. And you know what? That's a testament to the game planning of Brahm and the offense. So Absolutely. that's the other piece. Like, And he said it a couple times in a couple of his interviews that I've listened to. It's like they're putting me in position to be successful. Um, so they know they're playmakers, and they know how to get the ball in the playmakers' hands. And that is a challenge for a lot of offensive staffs, right? So you come in with a scheme everybody's, you know, if you're on fire, you're this coach that's hot and coaching in the coaching world because you got this cool offense and everybody's just going to plug in and run my scheme. That's one way to go about it. But you could obviously tell that Brom comes in and he wants to get the ball in his playmaker's hands, put them in the right positions, moving them around. Uh, you saw that with Moore, obviously, coming from the backfield, every position at wide out. So uh, it's just something cool to see is getting them in the right spots. Uh, absolutely. I think the whole thing, um, yeah, like you said, though, like he, he's just so smooth. The way he's in and out of breaks and in and out of routes, and it's fun to watch, man. And you're right, like what's that special? Like you just can't pinpoint it, right? 
You know, like he's like, he's not blazing past people out there. He's not running away from too many people. But those Iowa kids and those Iowa those Iowa coaches must have been pulling their hair out because he did it to them last year too. And they got lucky that we didn't have enough time to get the ball back one more time the last year. No doubt, he's but, uh, that the Iowa Purdue battle has been come has become awesome. Uh, D Bell has really done serious work with Iowa. It might be the Indianapolis connection, man. I think Iowa, out of any school, Iowa is in Indianapolis with recruiting a ton, dude. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of Indianapolis or Indiana kids on that roster, so it's cool to see Warren Central, D Bell's high school. Okay, Warren Central had four kids within that game. Think about it. We're from Long Island, dude. We might have had four kids go Division One. I. I don't even think, you know, uh, the year we graduated and stuff. Like, it is such a yeah. different world. Testament to to that big six A program, Warren Central. You got four kids in the same Big Ten game. That's pretty. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, that's awesome, man. That's what you dream about, right there. It is. Um, next week, looking forward to a Purdue-Illinois matchup. Illinois comes of a loss to Wisconsin. Um, you know, give me your thoughts, I guess, on that matchup. Let's let's keep it the same. Let's let us let us let's grow from it. I think we should we should win this game. Uh, I think we're the better team. So you got to go out there and, you know, and play football. And, you know, don't take your foot off the pedal, man. Let's see David Bell get another 13 grabs for 150 yards and two take touchdowns. That. And, you know, let's get to 2-0. and Let's get to 2-0. and <laughs> Let's get to 2-0. Well, and yeah. I was trying to hit a sound effect. I screwed that up. We <laughs> there we go. There's your applause. Looking at the Big Ten standings. In the West, we saw Minnesota, you know, uh, they obviously struggled. Um, who the heck they have? Minnesota played Michigan. Michigan, I'm sorry. Michigan looked, Michigan looked good. We'll get to the East. But Minnesota uh, had a tough game, obviously, against Michigan. But I'm not, I'm not going to make that indicative of their season, man. I, I think they're going to be a strong team in the West. Uh, Wisconsin is obviously there. Northwestern put up serious points. Um, yeah, like, I was surprised at that score. I was just, I was surprised Maryland, you know, I don't know what their COVID situation is or if they had kids opted out, but, I was, you know, last year they finished up pretty strong. Right. They definitely had some athletes. Right. So, I mean, I think those are the teams. Obviously, Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers, I don't know, man. I mean, you could talk to any Nebraska fan and they're freaking top in the country at any point. So, I don't know what the – you know, if there's hype going on, if there's some realness behind it. I mean, they battled for a little bit with with Ohio State. Um, but at the same time, who knows? So, they're the unknown. Lovey Smith in Illinois. Are, is Purdue going there? Yes, we go to Illinois. We go to Illinois. Hopefully come back uh, 2-0 going into Wisconsin week. And uh, looking forward to it, man. What else you got? Anything? Oh, what, so a little bit about the East. Our, my, my, our guys are the uh, Indiana Hoosiers, man. Did you see any of that uh, game? Oh, yeah. I saw some of it. Tough ending, man, for Penn State. But you got to give it to the Hoosiers, man. They played. They got some talent over there. They do. Let's not get it twisted. Let's not, you know, they that Stevie Scott character is going to be a problem for a lot of people. He is a problem. He is a real problem. And I, you know, golden black through and through, but I can't not, I can't 
not like Tom Allen, man. I just like him as a head coach. You could tell some of the stuff on social media, in the locker room, and just his just his actions, dude. You can just tell he cares. He's all about these players, and they're they're eating it up and 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 loving him yeah. back. So that's cool you to catch see. That? Sorry, guys. Go ahead, Did you go catch ahead. that video of him in the locker room after the game? Yeah, yeah, really. That's cool. all that needs to be said, man. Those kids. It's all because of you, coach. You yeah, know, it's love them. That's awesome. So, I got the goosebumps right there. That's cool. Yeah. Michigan Wolverines coming up right after them. I mean, I, I, you turned, I went from the Purdue game to the Michigan Minnesota game. I feel like there's a little bit of a different team speed on the Wolverines. You could tell, uh, I don't know if it was the turf or whatever, but, um, okay. it's definitely a different look, but you know what? It's kind of, uh, it's like Purdue always matches that speed depending on who they're playing. It's just weird. It's a weird visual. Um, regardless of who they're playing, I think they're at that level. Um, Iowa, you know, not known to be burners, and I feel like it's a more physical game, more fundamentally sound, all that stuff. Um, but Michigan looks different. Obviously, Ohio State looks different. Um, so those will obviously be some teams that we are not playing, but at the same time, hopefully cross paths with at some point. Yeah, maybe in Indianapolis. Ooh, that would be sweet. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's um, go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, shoot. Again, a couple recaps coming your way. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, the regular audience that kind of tunes in obviously circles around some of the produced stuff that, that I've been involved with. So um, if you don't like it, tune in somewhere else. But we're going to continue with the golden black kind of breakdowns. Oh, yeah. Please, please, please uh, share the podcast, share it with people you know, share it with your friends, head out to the YouTube channel. We're going to get the third down um, breakdown for the Purdue uh, Purdue versus uh, Iowa game, third down breakdown, go into some coverages, go into how plays are being broken down. Like if I'm a coach or if I'm a quality control and I'm, I'm scouting an offense, uh, you know, an opposing team, what kind of terms are we using? What kind of things are we looking at to kind of break down the dynamics of that defense and, and that game. So getting a little bit into the data, which I love. And uh, we got more stuff coming, man, more stuff coming platform sports league and uh, just keep an eye out. And I appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. I be flying with the angels every day, yeah Mmm, I play this fool, but life is great, fam Ooh, I work 60 hours a day, man Yeah, I'm built to grind, it's my escape plan Ooh, it's way deep